Grow CFO is where finance leaders grow together. Join thousands of like-minded professionals using GrowCFO to access the combined knowledge and experience of the finance leader community. You can join us today at growcfo.net. Hello and welcome to the GrowCFO show. I'm your host, Kevin Appleby, and today I've got a very interesting guest with me, mainly because he's a fellow podcaster and I love interviewing fellow podcasters. Welcome to the GrowCFO show, Richard Metcalf. Hi, thanks for inviting me. I'm yeah, so happy to be here. Just a shame I haven't got a deep DJ voice for you as a fellow podcaster. Perhaps I should have uh, brought that with me. Ah, but uh, as my uh, my other podcast, uh, the next hundred days, my co-host Graham Ira Smith always always says that he's got a, he's got a, a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's um, have you read that book about negotiation ta- uh, tactics where they advise you to have your late night DJ voice? So I think that's uh, the one I need to perfect for my uh, probably. For I probably need to. Pre- pre- Get my words straight here. I probably need to perfect one of those as well, Richard. But there we go. So Richard, be a you're, learning you're, objective. You're much more than just a podcast host. Tell me something about yourself. Right. Well, strap in, or if you've got a spare five hours, I'll tell you my life story. No, no, I'm just. No, just no. Kidding. Let's have the condensed version. <laughs> the good, yeah. So I'd like to say that I'm what you get if you were to put a McKinsey consultant, a slightly unorthodox pastor, and an entrepreneur into a blender. So one of those will it blend experiences. Ooh, ooh, um, I'd hate to think what colour that comes out. Well, yeah, it's probably not a great colour, which is why I've got a good face for radio, as you said. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, very, in a nutshell, you know, I grew up in the UK. I studied at Oxford. I now live in Paris. That was meant to be a one-year, um, uh, one-year uh, assignment. Ended up marrying into the culture. So. Um, yeah. You've got no uh, choice but to stay there now. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's been good. I get two cracks at the uh, at all the sporting tournaments, right? Being binational, which uh, in the case of the Euro has turned out to be good, obviously in favour of England at the moment. Yeah, and I, I thought France were going to go further than England this year, so I'm actually quite surprised the way things are turning out. It's always it's always like that, isn't it? It's always what you don't expect um, when it comes to these things. Um, and uh, and then professionally, I am. Um, I was a strategy consulting partner in, in, in tech, media, and telecoms. And then I was a tech sector exec working at Cisco. Um, and what I do now is I, I work to advise some of really the most impressive tech sector execs on the planet uh, and, and help them take themselves and their teams to a new level of success. So that's what I love doing. I work with the uh, CEOs and other, other senior executives on reimagining their success formula. Right. Okay. And what's the name of that business, Richard? Yeah, so the business is called X Quadrant. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, you know, for anyone who's spent any time with consultants, you know, you know, we love to draw two by two matrices and put an X in the top right, right, which yeah. is the place to aim for. And so X Quadrant is kind of a nod to that. Um, you know, really, for me, it's, it, it means a number of things, but it, it's about, you know, how do you create the and, right? Like, not just the or, you know, it's like, how do you how do you find the stretch to, for example, create fantastic results and have more time to think than ever before? Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, how do you mobilize a team and create an incredible place to work and generate better financial performance than you've had before? It's always those things which people often see as tensions. Yes. I try to help yes. people think, well, how can we actually do both of those? Yeah. How can we look at things differently? You're absolutely right. It's a big challenge. And the first one of those that you mentioned there, I, I spent an entire podcast on with Catherine Clark a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's a, 
it's a big area and creating mm. culture, creating a team to work in, increasing profits, all the rest of it. It's, it's something that there's never a right answer in, in my view. There's always, and every company is different. So what I find is that for each of us, there's a next level, no matter how far we've got to. Yeah. Um, there's always another place to go. And the thing is that we've, what I find in my clients is that when you've got a really impressive CV, you know, when you've already risen pretty far up the career ladder, um, you've definitely got a, a little success formula that's working for you, right? It's generating results. It, 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 it's got you to where you've got to. Uh, but deep down, you know that you're not, it's, everyone's looking at you pretty impressed, but you know that there's an, it's not that impressive for you. It's just what you do. Somehow, yeah. you know, you've worked hard, but it's just what you do and you're here and you know there's more to get to. And the, and the, the game here is how do I re-engineer that success formula that's got me to this quite impressive place already as a finance director, as a, an executive, whatever it is. And how do I, how do I operate differently to get to an even uh, higher level? And that's a bit of a risk for some people, right? It, feel, it can feel a bit risky. You know, yeah. I've, I've got this thing that's working. And I, I'm going I know look, looking at that, we've, we've had several podcasts where we said, well, you've got to that level and everybody's looking at you fairly impressed. And there's, there's the other thought that's going on in, in, in your mind that says, oh, and how long is it before somebody finds me out? <laughs> yeah, the imposter <laughs> yeah, syndrome. Yeah, the imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, like, I like to say that actually, you know, imposter syndrome is, is it's not a bug, it's a feature. Yeah. And... And actually, when you're feeling the imposter syndrome, it actually means that you're learning, you're pushing, you're on your edge, you're growing, yeah, and you are playing a bigger game, right? If you mm. don't want the imposter syndrome, well, sit at home all day and you know eat crisps on the on the couch, and you know, <laughs> it's and, for me, it's about I, contribution, right? I think it very much goes with the territory because, as you say, you're you're always asking that question about how how do I go to the next level? So yeah. that next level is always going to feel uncomfortable by definition because you're not used to it you're not experienced in it and you're in some ways you're 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 constantly experimenting with something new and you know what sometimes so that's something you might not work yeah there's there's no learning in the comfort zone and there's no comfort in the learning zone somebody once said i like that i like that that's a quote for the show notes there we go yeah um yeah so you're coaching ceos Okay, but we're we're a finance show. So how do you see the relationship between one of your CFOs, CEOs, and one of our CFOs? Yeah, so I I can give some answers to that. It's fair to say I've I've coached, you know, a few CFOs in my time as well. And so I can give you the story from both sides as well, which might be interesting. But let's kind of take it from the CEOs, who's, you know, probably my major uh, client group. And I suppose from their perspective, you know, at the best – the CFO is, is really helping make the CEO's case for change. You know, they're providing numbers, backup, support, uh, you know, articulate it, you know, helping, helping articulate the vision in a quantitative format in many ways yeah. and be able to provide that analytical um, firepower. Uh, the best, the CFO is also delivering insight to the whole executive team and to the board. So it's, it's not about the numbers anymore, right? It's about what they mean and, and, and where's that going? Yeah. And, and I suppose at the best as well, the CFO is the number one, I think should be the number one thought partner of the CEO within the business, mm-hmm. or at least in the 
very much in yeah. a inner circle, right? That's so, where that's where really they need to be. And where, and when you've got the CEO and CFO in lockstep, it's incredible, powerful engine in the business. Absolutely. And I, I totally agree with that. When we're looking at a CFO program within Grow CFO, we're talking about being the co-pilot of the CEO and the skills that that takes. Exactly. And then, so, then if I was to flip it around, like what you might say at the worst, then at the worst, the CFOs you know, focus on the past, you know, focus on what happened last yeah. quarter and not on the future transformation, which is really where the CEO is focused yeah um or they might not be bringing the difficult issue the difficult issues to the ceo in other words if there's some kind of if they don't see each other as peers and the, yes. and the the cfo is slightly uh, insecure in their relationship with the ceo then perhaps they don't bring the difficult issues they don't have those uh um intense conversations around ideas and they're not necessarily acting as the partner. And then, and then I think the third thing perhaps is that they're worth the CEOs are the CFOs are numbers focused to the exclusion of the relationships. Because I think when you get to that level, it, the game has changed for the finance professional. And it's no longer about impressing people with you know, the, the sheer depths of your financial expertise, <laughs> uh, although that's going to always be a part of what you bring to the table. Uh, it's going to be, am I actually able to build alliances across the board, across the business, across the management team? Uh, am I going to be able to deliver that, uh, build relationships with the investors, create the no like and trust factor and all those other parts? And so all those different skill sets need to come to bear when you're a CFO. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I can see an awful lot of that. I, know, I can see the, the not-so-good CFO is the guy who's, I would always term it, trying to drive the car looking through the rearview mirror. Mm. All of this stuff's out in front of you, but you're looking through the mirror, always looking at what's happened. What the accounts are very good at doing is telling you what's happened. They're not very good at telling you why it happened. Well, they're not it, very good at telling you what's going to happen. And it's actually really interesting. I've um, I worked with one CFO who, uh, and it's actually I was actually brought in by the CEO who said, you know, my CFO, I'm not quite sure he's got a place in my future team here. I'm trying to build this new, you know, really sharpen up my team. I'm just not quite sure he has what it takes. And um, so I, and I, most of my coaching, I really describe it as acceleration right yeah. it's people on top of their game who want to go faster go bigger think bigger work more strategically all this kind of stuff um sometimes people bring me in to do what what i think they see as kind of remedial <laughs> work on yeah. a colleague right which is what this felt like um in the end it normally becomes acceleration because you got to a certain level you're already good in many many ways yes. some things holding you back right and so my well, nobody shows often, up work to do a bad job Exactly, exactly. So for me, it's like, you know, you've got all these strengths, but something is causing a perception issue or is not, you know, some stakeholders are not feeling favorable towards you. We need to understand why and work on that and, and nail that and really get specific. And in the case of this CFO, um, it was really around a couple of ways that he was showing up in the, um, you know, to the, um, to the investors and on the board. He was just being a bit, you know, a bit verbose, not quite getting to the point. Uh, not being sharp enough in his messages. And there's something around the execution that he was so focused on delivering some of the finance projects, which were really important. It was a refinancing and other big things 
um, but he wasn't managing the stakeholder expectations yes. sufficiently. Though, so he was doing the work, but he was not seen as reliable because people had the impression that he was over-promising and under-delivering and, and these kind of things. Mm -hmm. So the reality actually was quite good, but there were these things which were literally, when I came in, they had hired external headhunters to you know start to find a replacement. Um, but within about what, three or four months, this guy completely turned, you know, well, suddenly became the right-hand man of the CEO. You know, he just understood it. He got, he got it. Aha. We focused in on the two or three things he had to change. And of course, once you have that, you've got a game you can win once you know exactly what it is. And we nailed those things. And uh, yeah, you know, even now he's, you know, he's uh, a couple of years later, he's right-hand man of the CEO and they're, they're leading a massive transformation together. So yeah. I think it's really important to see that in a sense, objectively speaking, he was doing a lot of things right. Yeah. But it was still, it was still severely career limiting <laughs> potentially uh, because he hadn't quite got the stakeholder management right with the CEO, with the overall shareholder and a couple of other key individuals. I remember learning that that lesson myself many years ago, Richard. Mm -hmm. I was prior to my consulting career, prior to going off and joining PwC, I was um, European business account for ICI Plastics. And ICI at the time, this is the very early 90s, we were implementing some very, very big accounting systems. And they were fairly key to what we were trying to do to report business results and got rid of a lot of problems. Mm. And I've been very, very involved in the implementation and making sure the new solutions did what we needed. I thought I'd had probably one of the best years ever from a career point of view. And I was really looking forward to going to the annual appraisal. Mm. And I got a real bollocking because um, my manager had been off to ask the head of the plastics business for some feedback. And it was kind of, yeah, Kevin's a great guy, but he's never here when we need to ask him a business question about the numbers. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? It's often, you know, we, one of the things I help almost all my clients work with at some point is this idea of how do I free myself up for more strategic activity? Yeah. And often we get so engaged in doing all this stuff that we don't have time for the super high value stuff. Yes. Which might just be, you need to be there when there's a key question, <laughs> right? Yes. Because that's the key conversation and you could be doing all the projects in the world, but if you're not able to add value to the key people at the key times. Yes. And you know yeah. what? The problem is you never know where that key, when that key question is going to come up or where. Yes. So if you're off in a systems implementation meeting and that key question comes up, you've missed it. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's a great insight onto onto where the, the CFO should be with the CEO and the, the importance of kind of getting out of the accounting office, getting away from the finance projects, understanding the strategy of the business, being the CEO's right hand man. But you come across many CFOs that have made the next step up to be the CEO, Richard? Yes. Um, yeah. In fact, one of my, is it just one I'm thinking right now? One jumps to mind. Uh, might be a couple actually, but the one definitely springs to mind who was the CFO and yeah, is now running a $2 billion business. The, 
what I've noticed in people who've made that transition is I think yeah, if I was to give them three bits of advice, I think the first one would be defy the stereotypes, right? Yeah. In other words, you, um, you're going to you're going to go beyond what people see as the classic finance executive, right? Yes. You're going to kind of start to go at, above your over and above your remit, right? Before obviously even getting the CEO role, you're mm. going to have to show that you're interested in a lot of parts of the business which traditionally a CFO would need to be interested in. Yes, um, it's specific... very easy for the CFO to stay in that zone that he would normally be expecting. Yeah, and it's a comfortable zone, and nobody's going to challenge the CFO on that part of the business because they totally own it, right? For, for functionally speaking, um, and so the CFO, yeah, the CFO is going to need to be really trying to build that broader commercial understanding. I think the um, the second one, which is really part of the first one in some ways, is to go big on vision, right? At the end of the day, the CEO has to really own a couple of things pretty uniquely in the company, one of which is the vision and the, and the values of the company to really embody, like, where are we going? You know, what's the transformation this company is going through right now? And every company is going through some kind of transformation. Uh, and who do you want to be as we do that? So to keep people accountable to certain ways of behaving. And, and I think the other the other area is... The CEO uniquely really is responsible for developing the executive team, yeah. um, which is another key area. So, but so to have a vision for the company and for the team is going to be important for a CFO who wants to make that that shift. And then, and then the third point I would say is be ready to leave the numbers behind, um, which again is a painful one because you've got. You're going to get there because you master the numbers. But at the end of the day, as soon as you become CEO, you have a CFO. And your job is not to be a better CFO than your own CFO. You know, your job is actually to empower and yeah. let that, that person do yeah. their job. It's no yeah. longer your job. And again, working with this this one CEO, you know, he said, like, yeah, to start with, it was quite a stretch. You know, he when he was doing the corporate presentations, he would get feel very comfortable when he got to the finance slides, you know, the numbers. Yes. And he would even, I mean, one thing I'd be, we worked on together was he realized that he would even give that away in just little offhand remarks that he would make. You'd hardly notice he was doing them. But he'd say, oh, you know, here we are, my comfort zone or something. You know, he would just kind of <laughs> respond to it. Uh, and then when he got on to say the technology roadmap or the vision, the technology vision, yeah, he might again make a comment that kind of shows, oh, I'm a bit out of my depth at this moment. I mean, you wouldn't say it in so many words, but it would be undermining yeah, I his know influence what you mean. Yeah. in some yeah. ways because he, he was never seen in his previous um, life as a CFO. He wasn't meant to be the technology expert. And of course, he, the CEO doesn't need to be either, but a bit more expectation that you're going to be more rounded, you're going to understand different parts of the business at a different yeah. level. Yeah. Uh, and so I'd say, yeah, just being ready to leave the numbers behind. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I could think about that as a, a finance guy who actually secretly is a bit of a techie and quite likes the tech. But at the same time, I've still got all my Excel spreadsheets. I think getting a finance guy to step away from, from, from the numbers he's got sitting in his own personal Excel spreadsheet that tell him everything is, yeah. is very, very difficult. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no one said it was easy, right? That's the yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. you get paid the big Absolutely. bucks. So, um, but I think it's it's really important. It's it's you have to realize that you're going to take some of that 
obviously a lot of your skills with you, but it's not, you know, no longer is your primary responsibility to be to own that spreadsheet, right? You have to really yeah. start to raise your game and raise your vision to what else you're trying to do. Yeah. So you know, what advice would you be giving to aspiring CFOs looking to grow their business relevance? You know? There's there's a lot of things, there's probably some common threads coming through that we've talked about already, but uh, what what are the, those key three bits of advice to the, the maybe the, the future or the new CFO who's really aspiring to grow their business relevance? Yeah, we've obviously we've talked about a number of those things, I guess. Um, we've talked, you know, about relationships and, and all these things. I suppose I'd kind of describe it in a couple of ways. I'd say the first one is stop trying to wow people with your finance skills, because that's it's it's going to be taken yeah. as a health factor. It's going to be taken mm-hmm. as red. Yeah. Uh, what you're going to need to demonstrate is your business, you know, wear your business hat and not your finance yeah. hat. So think cross-functionally. Um, you're going to bring the finance, obviously, to bear and, and the numbers to bear, but try to have some different perspectives as well, right? Yeah. Don't just wear the, I'm the, you know, I'm the kind of the, the financial... Uh, expert functional leader but also think well you know commercially what do we want to do here you know what risks should we be taking um um you know what what are, what are some of the bigger commercial decisions the people decisions just be a bit more involved in those those areas and, and partner up with your colleagues and i think the second one is don't just have a financial plan show your colleagues that you have a plan for finance in other words make sure you have a strategy for how you want to up-level the finance function. Yeah. Because if you can't up-level your own finance team, then why should you be asked to help up-level any other part of the business? <laughs> so, I, yeah. I think there's a, there's a big challenge there. One of the groups we've got within Grow CFO that meets most Tuesday lunchtimes, we talk about future of the finance function. And we talk about people, we talk about systems, we talk about processes. Mm. And yeah, there is so much in the world of finance, in the world of transformation, that isn't just a f- for finance alone, but has knock-on effects all over the business. Yeah. But the average CFO has lots that he can grab a hold of close at home and show very easily, I think, that he's on top of business change. He's on top of transformation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I always say, you know, is finance part of the problem or part of the solution? So is finance getting ahead of the business challenges to be able to provide data and insight into new business models, into into the new products and services or the new ways we want to be thinking about our business? Or is it busy reporting in a way that made sense yesterday for yesterday's channel structure, for yesterday's product structure, all that kind of thing? And you know what? The rest of your C-suite probably couldn't care less about last month's management accounts, so don't go boring them for half an hour in the board meeting with a presentation on them. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, and often that idea about how do you present insight in a condensed fashion yeah. is a real mark of finance maturity, shall I say, that you don't have to show Indeed. all your workings. Yeah. Richard, that has been a wonderful insight from the, the CEO and the CEO's coach perspective, but before we finish, I've been looking at your website and anybody listening, I'd, I'd actually encourage you to go across to X Quadrant's website. Have a look on the tab on their website that talks about free resources. There's some fantastic stuff on there that I think is actually, it's very little duplication of what we've got in Grow CFO, but really some quite complementary things. 
there was a little one that uh, rather fascinated me on there, Richard. Tell me about the kryptonite test. Yeah, the team kryptonite test is a thing which um, is it's a short, like 60 second online quiz, online test. And it, it helps to help identify what's like the weak point in your team, right? What is it that's holding your team back from uh, from performance, right? From its next level. You know, is that around alignment? Is it around execution? Is it about relationships? I mean, there's all these different factors and it's quite hard um, to often separate, separate out cause and effect and results when you're there. But it's so important to be thinking not just about your own performance as a leader, but also about, you know, what's going on with the team and where do I need to put the focus? Mm-hmm. And so that's it takes about 60 seconds, just, you know, we work, yeah, and you'll get us get a high level read on perhaps where you want to be putting your management attention in your yeah. team. And that sounds as though it could be just as relevant for the, the CFO to be doing as the CEO. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, right now I'm actually working with the whole with the whole CFO function, um, doing a kind of a more expanded version of that, actually working with teams, working with their team to really start to think about as a finance function, like how what is the impact we want to be making on the business as we go forward? You know, in the next two years, how does finance want to impact the business? And so that's kind of the more, more deeper dive. But just starting off with this kind of kryptonite assessment, we'll just start to help you think, you know, where are we shooting ourselves in the foot or holding ourselves back? And then uh, just on a similar one, there's another one which I think people might find relevant. If you also find on that page, I can also perhaps put it in the show notes. Um, there's a, um, a productivity assessment. I call it the executive productivity assessment. Uh, and it's really about um, how to free yourself up from the operational day-to-day in order to think strategically. Yeah. And I'm just aware that so many, and I know finance is the same because you can be on a bit of a treadmill of course, you know, monthly and quarterly end and, and results and everything else. And you can spend huge amounts of your working life just churning out yeah. the, 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 the regular things. And that doesn't leave you often with enough time to really make the strategic moves. And so you can find that as well on, on the website um, or you can go to X Quadrant. I think it is squadron.com, productivity go slash go slash productivity assessment. And, and that's a, a great tool which um, which I find just gives you a quick benchmark, right, on how you're doing yeah. because it's just such a common issue for people. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go I take overloaded? a yeah, I'm gonna go take a look at that, Richard, because that that's been an area that's fascinated me for years. And actually one of one of the modules in our future CFO program, the module Module two, we do a skills assessment and start highlighting to folk where their strengths and weaknesses are. Mm. And the normal effect is that folk will be, because the CFO role is so broad, Mm. so many aspects to it, the the thing that shocks people is the number of places that they're not strong. And think, oh Mm. dear, if I'm going to get to CFO, I've got to develop all of these. Well, actually, no, you haven't. And I do module three is much more around, well, let's prioritize what you do need to get to, what's right for you. And a lot of that is fine. If we're going to pick up on some of these things and make them stronger, well, you're going to have to give up on some other things. So we go through that whole trade-off exercise that if you're going to learn about something new, if you're going to put something new into practice, you've got to get rid of something old. So probably quite complementary to what I'm doing in that module. Yeah, exactly. Because you, yeah, I always say, you know, you have to, First of all, find the high value activity, right? You need to know what it is you want to do 
And yeah. then you figure out how do you free up time to do that? If you yeah. start by trying to free up time for its own sake, it never happens. Things just no. come back in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I totally agree. You can't work on everything all at once. And normally there's just a couple of things which are going to be the limiting factor for you right now. And when you work on those, you move forward. And if you yep. work on things which aren't holding you back, you don't move forward because they're not the constraint. So it's always that question of let's find the constraints, the number one behavior or skill that you need to build. Let's focus on that. And then let's yeah. move on to the next one. Brilliant. Brilliant. So Richard, remind me the name of your podcast. Yes. If anyone's interested in the podcast, it's called the Impact Multiplier CEO. And I say it's for anyone who's a CEO or who thinks like a CEO or would like to think like a CEO. Um, and it's a mix of interviews with often very, you know, very interesting high profile uh, chief executives. Uh, and then there's a mix and some seasons that I do are more of me delivering content around things that I've learned when working at a high level with these leaders, coaching them and advising them. So there's kind of a mixture of, of things in that. Brilliant. But, uh, Sounds like a good one for the listening list. So yeah, I hope you enjoy it. And um, Thanks for having this conversation. It's been a lot of fun. And um, it's just really interesting to think through things from the lens of the CFO, right? It's not, I spend a bit of time there, but most of my time is working with the CEO. And so it's really interesting to have this conversation. Absolutely. Yes. From, the, from the finance yes. perspective. Yes. Tremendous. Richard, thank you very much for being a guest on the Grow CFO Show. You're welcome.